why don't you do this? Open up your Bibles to Matthew, Matthew chapter 6. We're going to look at three verses, verses 5 through 8. And we'll get there in just a second. Serve as the associate pastor here. I've been here uh, long enough that I don't think they can get rid of me. I say it all the time, like I'm still here. And, and I, they don't know what to do sometimes, so they keep moving me around. But I've been the associate pastor for a handful of years, uh, oversee discipleship, small groups, things like that. Um, it's a joy. It's been fun to be here from day one. Literally, we walked through the doors when the church first opened their doors in Bettendorf High School. And within a year, I was on staff, and like I said, I've been here ever since. So it's a joy uh, to do what I get to do, uh, to work with people like Cody um, and, and all of that. And I'm just really glad some of you showed up knowing that Cody wasn't preaching tonight and that that was here. So I appreciate that. Uh, let me do this. Speaking about prayer, I think it's appropriate if I open up in prayer. So let me do that. Well, Lord, we, I, I love that... Um, we just spent time praying. Um, I, I, just, I just stand here and so overwhelmed and feel so privileged to, to have the word of God in my language, to have known you my entire life, to be in a family that knows you and expose me to the gospel. I don't know why you chose at this time and this place and the boundaries that you have set forth to, to put me here and at this time and but I'm, I'm just thankful. I'm thankful that you revealed yourself to me. Uh, also know, Lord, that there are many that need to know you. And so we ask that you reveal yourself to them. Make yourself known. Uh, draw people around the world to you right now. But Lord, uh, thank you for this opportunity to gather together, to worship your name. I just stand back there and I just think this is so crazy what we get to do, the, the privilege that we have to know you, to do this, to talk about prayer, but also to pray, to have a face-to-face -face conversation with you. So Lord, would you um, help me articulate the message that you've given me to share tonight? Open up our hearts and our minds. Teach us. We pray this in your name. Amen. Well, I love the basics, like Cody just said. This is going to be I'm a simple guy, so it's going to be a simple message. It's, it's going to be a basic message, but I hope it stirs some things within you when it comes to the context of prayer, when it comes to the gift of prayer. So this passage is in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, right? The greatest message ever preached by the greatest preacher who ever walked the face of the earth, the Sermon on the Mount. When he gathered the multitudes, when Jesus gathered the multitudes and began to systematically, if you, if you will, walk through several topics, our ethical behavior as a follower of Jesus Christ. And he says some pretty crazy things. I don't know about you, but I hope you have read the scriptures, and in particular the Gospels, and when you get in there and you talk, start reading about Jesus and what he is saying, he says, he says some pretty radical things. He really, people say he turns the world upside down, and, and, and I like to say it this way. I think the world's already upside down. Amen. The older you get, you realize just how jacked up it is and upside down it is. Jesus came to turn it right side up. And the whole premise, if you will, when you think about the Sermon on the Mount, is Jesus is about the heart of people. He, he's about the heart of the matter before he is about action. Before he is about what we do, he wants to make sure the heart, he addresses the heart. It's the reality, should always be the reality in our life. 
So the Sermon on the Mount, Heart Before Action, he's talking about giving. It starts off in chapter 6, talking about giving. Uh, then he gets to prayer, and then he ends with fasting. Three really key things that we can do wrong, wrongly. We can do in the wrong way. We can do for ourselves, And that's what Jesus is getting at. It's like, listen, it's not just what you do, but it's how you do them that matters. So we have prayer that Jesus is talking about in these three verses. And I, Is there any higher activity we can do than to speak to God? Is there any higher activity we can do than speak to the God of the universe freely, literally face-to-face, personally? I think it's absolutely amazing that he's talking to people who have yet to understand what he is going to allow them to do to have access. He's going to be the mediator for people to God himself. And here he's teaching about prayer, and they, they don't even have a full understanding of prayer like I hope you do and, and, I, and I do. The understanding that we can go boldly before the throne of grace because of Jesus Christ himself, the, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We, we have that ability, and they have yet to even understand that. But nonetheless, Jesus says right in the beginning in verse 5, when you pray... We'll get to all the verses here in just a second. But he starts off, when you pray, not if, right? There's an automatic assumption Jesus speaks about. He does it all the time. Not if, but when. He expects us to be praying. Prayer is not optional for the believer. A life of prayer is the example Jesus was for us. Jesus is always, go figure, the perfect example for everything we should be doing to help us grow in righteousness. He would get up early to pray. You see that throughout his life. He would pray at night. He would pray all night. And he would pray in his darkest moments, as I'm going to end on tonight when we get to the end. But Jesus prayed, and he knew we needed instruction on how to pray like he did. Hence the title. Pray like Jesus. And I think the first thing we see here, this is going to be simple, guys, some alliteration coming at you. Pray like Jesus. Number one, secretly. Simply put, pray like Jesus secretly. Look at verses 5 and 6. Jesus says this. And when you pray, you must not, like, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received the reward. But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And then your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, now listen, right off the bat here, he's not saying praying in public is wrong. And that's not the point of what he's trying to get at. But he is saying that the discipline of prayer shouldn't begin in public or only happen in public. It doesn't begin in front of people. It flows instead from being alone with God alone. It, a disciple prays secretly before he prays publicly. Jesus is saying here, without a genuine time of praying in secret, we open the door to becoming a hypocrite. A spiritual actor portraying a false devotion. We can put forth something 
to other people that is not true in our personal life. We, we can stand before people, we can sit with, with, with people, we can gather with people, and we can pray and sound good and, and make people think that we have this relationship or this devotion or whatever with God himself that we may not necessarily have. And, that, and that's what Jesus is getting very explicit about and specific about addressing. A hypocrite prays for the praise of others. If you will, they pray to others, hoping to elevate themselves by impressing others. And in doing so, they get what they were looking for. They get the praise of man, and that's it. They don't get anything else, which makes their prayers altogether pointless and, if you will, powerless. Again, verse 1 of chapter 6, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. The whole context, what Jesus sets up here. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. You get what, you, what you're looking for. You get the praise. You get the accolades. You get the notice of, of the people around you. And listen, every believer is susceptible to this. We are. Every one of us is, is susceptible to this. We want to sound good, do we not? I think next to public speaking, praying in public is probably one of the bigger fears. Like we want to sound good. We want to be fluent in the language of prayer, don't we? We want people to know that's to sound good around people. We don't want to sound dumb or, or, or misspeak or stumble, stumble and stammer and all that kind of stuff like I'm doing right now. Public speaking, 101. But listen, we forget that it's not about those around us. We are personally speaking to the God of the universe first, first and foremost. And that's the reality, no matter how and when we pray. It's about a personal conversation with God himself, and he's the only one that matters. Now, obviously, I believe Jesus is speaking geographically. He's being pretty explicit when speaking about praying literally in your room. In other words, privately pray. Be alone with God. So I think he's literally talking about that. But I also think there's also an element of being alone with God, even in the context of corporate prayer. Even while with others. I, I think you can understand that as a pastor, as I just did with you guys, I pray a lot in front of people. I joke, my wife and I joke all the time. I do a lot of weddings. And apparently, I'm the only person who can ever pray for the meal before the reception. So that's always what I get. Hey, can you pray for the meal? Yeah, that's, that's why I'm here. I'll marry you, and I'll pray for the food. That's what I get to do. So we have the, like Cody does every week. He leads not just the church in worship, but he leads us in prayer. I pray a lot in front of people. But I have to remind myself that I'm not praying to those listening in around me. Those who are gathered with me. Even when I just prayed with you. I have to find myself reminding myself that it is just me and God in the moment. Certainly I'm praying for you. I'm praying for us corporately. But really, in reality, people need to disappear. No matter what the context is. I have to remember ultimately it is only me and God. And, and maybe that's what you need to remember if you struggle to pray in public. 
you find yourself struggling to open your mouth and to pray in the, in the manner that people around you need you to do, that, that binds us together um, in, in a way that is edifying and uplifting, I mean, for you to consciously tell yourself it's not about the people. They don't matter in this sense. People matter. But not in this sense. They benefit, like I just said, absolutely. We are edified and, and strengthened and built up when we pray together publicly. But man, it's ultimately, it's a personal conversation you're still having with God himself. With others listening in. And I think private prayer is so important because it helps us to understand this. I think it builds the foundation that we need to understand this. We cultivate this closeness and awareness that keeps us grounded in the reality of what prayer really is all about. Plus, personal prayer is where we deal with the tendency that we can have to be hypocrites, right? It's in that personal time that we have the light of the Holy Spirit, if you will, shine in our life and reveal those areas that we need to repent of and chase from our life. And, and I really think, yes, that can happen in corporate setting, but I think first and foremost, it has to take place in a personal setting, in a secret prayer, in personal prayer. It's the best place to do it and to be alone with God. I have an index card hanging in my office. I have no idea where I got it. It's too creative for me to come up with, so I'm just going to claim it. I forget who wrote it and just say I wrote it. And it just simply says this, a secret prayer life prevents a secret life. A secret prayer life prevents a secret life. Like a secret life of sin. A personal prayer helps prevent a hypocritical life. At least it should. If we're doing it right. If we're really submitting ourselves to who God is and his Holy Spirit within our life. It should be revealing those things. A life, you know pushing out a life that's opposite of who we were saved to be. Without this intentional time alone with God, we can end up no different than the Pharisees, the hypocritical Pharisees, which Jesus calls out here. So listen, if you don't do this, man, make it happen. Every single one of you, I know we're busy in your own way, in your own right, in all of that. But if this doesn't happen, you've you got to make it happen. Make time to shut everyone out. And however, like get creative and figure out what that looks like. But, but shut everyone out and get alone with God and speak with him. And cultivate what that looks like for you to have that really intimate conversation alone with God. I think we can all agree when we encounter people, when you pray with people, you hear someone pray, you're like, man, they just have an intimacy with the Lord that I want. How, how do you develop a relation, intimate relationship with somebody? You simply spend time with them. You, you share your heart with them. You, you hear their heart uh, about, uh, you know, everything and anything. And you, you begin to connect this. It's, it's, it's absolutely no different with our relationship with Jesus Christ. So if you don't do this, man, I, I challenge you, make it happen. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. The question is, what is that reward? Well, certainly, 
Things like joy and peace and comfort are, are great rewards that the Lord gives us. God offers great blessing and reward when we pray like Jesus, when we engage the God of the universe through his son, Jesus Christ. But the best and greatest reward, listen, is God himself. God the Father hearing us, knowing us, and knowing him. It is right and good to ask for things. The scriptures tell us that. I mean, we could never get off our knees or get up from wherever we're praying if we, if we go into our list of things that we need to ask God for. It is good and right to do that. But listen, the point of prayer is not the gifts from God. You guys know this. It's not the gifts from God, but it's God himself. More God. It's more Jesus. More Holy Spirit. We have all of the Holy Spirit, just more control of the Holy Spirit in our life. That's the point of prayer. And if we don't get up from our time with God in prayer and are not somehow changed, not somehow convicted, I don't know if we really laid ourselves out there in the manner that we should. So that's the first thing. Secretly. Pray like Jesus secretly. Second, pray like Jesus simply. I told you going to be easy. Pray like Jesus simply. Verse 7, and when you pray, Jesus says, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Jesus goes from the Pharisees to the pagans. No one's off limits with Jesus. Apparently some, the disciples or followers of Jesus, had adopted the pagan practice of reciting mantras. You know, the idea of Word or sounds repeated to aid concentration and meditation. You know, the more the better. Overwhelm your deity with repetitive words until he relents and answers accordingly. You show your devotion by offering up a lot of words and phrases. Maybe you're thinking, well, good thing I'm not a pagan. But listen, we're susceptible to this as well. We all have a routine prayer in our repertoire autopilot prayer you don't have to think about it right it's rote it's mechanical and or un, in nature it's unthinking repetition it's just what we go to even joyless maybe in nature if we're not careful we can be all about the rote prayers without even thinking about it especially if you're like me who grew up in a christian home and this is just what we do and you it's time for you to pray or something like that and you just the same thing comes out of your mouth and there's really no creativity and there's no personal aspect to it it's no different than what jesus is challenging the pagans the gentiles we can also assume that no the longer the prayer the better the more words the better right like i think part of the reason we don't pray the way that we should is we think we need like two and a half hours for us to get before the lord on our face sprawled out and just simply pray the entire time it's not the case it's, it's, it's not the case. D.L. Moody, founder of Moody Bible Institute, evangelist from the 1800s, said this. If you pray three minutes, I'll pray with you. If you pray six minutes, I'll pray for you. If you pray nine minutes, I'll pray against you. It's a joke. He wasn't. He understood that it's not about the length of prayer. What matters is the heart behind the prayer. 
And I think based on how Jesus points to children as the example for what kind of faith we must have, what kind of prayer we must have, I think Jesus is teaching and desiring a simple approach to prayer. A childlike approach. Not, not, not childish. That's a difference. But a praying that is clear and simple. Just, just clear and simple. Like to the point down with ambiguity and more about being specific. Like, what is it you need the Lord to do? What is it you want more of from the Lord? Like, just speak it. I think we can dance around the bush and we can say all this flowery stuff and never really say anything at all. I mean, when was the last time you heard a child pray? If you haven't, go spend time in the children's ministry. Hang out with the Rogers kids. The innocent and untarnished prayers of a child are beautiful. They're amazing. They they put all of us to shame. They believe God is able and they pray with a certainty that fully reveals that belief. Mom and dad told me that God can do it. Mom and dad told me that God hears my prayers. Mom and dad told me that I should ask him anything. And so they do. And they just simply pray. They just ask for it and do so simply. They just say it and say it simply. They pray with a refreshing clarity that is amazing. Displaying that a simple prayer doesn't mean a weak prayer. I think that's the idea. It's like, man, if it's simple, it's got to be weak. It's not, I don't know. It's like it needs more words or more. No, no, just in faith. Pray. Ask. Say it. God doesn't need help in understanding our prayer. He doesn't need us to wax eloquently eloquently, like I'm trying to do and use big $10 theological words to impress him. He simply wants his children to come and simply speak to him. Just talk plainly like you would with a friend. It's interesting how our vocabulary all of a sudden changes when we go to prayer. He just wants us to come. So I think to pray like Jesus, secondly, is to pray simply. Thirdly, to pray like Jesus, we need to be sincere. Pray like Jesus sincerely. Verse 8. Do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Do not be like them. Don't be insincere when you pray. There's an endless list of things to pray for and ask for. And here we have the great paradox of prayer, right here in this verse. We are to pray, but God knows already before we pray. Okay? Well, if God is so great and so sovereign, he knows everything, then, then why do I need to pray? Can't he just give it to me? Can't he just do it without me asking? he knows already, then, then why pray? Well, first off, first of all, I, I, I really believe that there are just certain things that will only happen through prayer. For whatever reason, maybe we'll know in eternity, but God chooses to do certain things in a certain way through our prayers. Is he going to do what he's going to do? Is he going to be sovereign? And he's going to, yes, no matter what, whether we ever pray again or not, yes. There's certain, but there's some things 
that we're going to miss out on if we don't bend the knee and ask God for it. I think there's just certain things he, he does through the prayers of the saints. So that's first off. But also, like the perfect father that he is, God desires for his children to tell him everything. To, to share our heart with him. I think we get the reverence part of coming before God. Again, going back to what I said earlier, our tone changes. You ever notice that? Like we're, we're just talking, hey, okay, let's pray. And all of a sudden we, we just get different. We, we get weird. Like what happened? Like did Garth left and somebody else showed up or something like this? I mean, our tone changes. Many times we talk differently. And, and listen, I think that's our understanding that we're entering into the throne room of God, if you want, we're going face to face with God. And that's okay. That, that's good. I think we have a good reverence there unless it prevents us from being fully honest. Unless it prevents us or hinders us from really engaging and speaking to the Lord in the manner that we should. Listen, prayer isn't about going through the motions. What I think it is at the core is genuinely bearing our soul to the one who loves us. And this is where I'm going to challenge you. I want to, maybe some things you haven't heard before. As you walk out of here, I want you to wrestle with some of this. To bear your soul to the one who loves us, knows us, and wants to care for us right where we are. I think what God desires from you as his child is for you to be honest and sincere about your feelings. Honest and sincere about your fears. I think he wants you to, to know if you're willing to trust him with the true condition of your heart. God, God can handle far more than we give him credit for. He wants to know if you believe he can handle it. He knows already. He knows your struggle. He knows what you're dealing with. And he wants you to verbalize. He wants to, you to share that with him, to be sincere in that time of prayer with him. Again, he already knows who you are and what you need, but he wants you to be honest with him. He wants you to be intentionally truthful in your prayers with everything, not just the good. Not just the good, but the bad and ugly too. So in closing, let me ask you, do you ever lament to God. Probably not a word you use today. Probably not a word you're going to use in the next month. But do you ever passionately express your sorrow to God? Have you ever mourned with and to God about life? The world. About your current situation or even someone else's situation. Lamenting is incredibly biblical, and we find it everywhere. There's a whole book, obviously, called Lamentations, written by Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. The, the dude didn't see hardly any fruit from his ministry, and he wrote an entire book called Lamentations, crying out to the Lord. There's 42 psalms of lament. Just... King David in particular, crying out to the Lord and revealing and, and sharing with him like, man, life is hard. 
and life stinks and I'm struggling. I think if we could get ourselves to a place of revealing and sharing those things with God the Father, I think we would pray more. I think examples like Psalm 5, and David writes, Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my groaning. Have you ever groaned before the Lord? Give attention to the sound of my cry, my King and my God, for to you do I pray. Psalm 6, listen to these words. We read this and we don't even think about twice about it. And we don't realize that this is, this is him literally bearing his soul to the God of the universe. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am languishing. Heal me, O Lord, for my bones are troubled. My soul is greatly troubled, but you, O Lord, how long? It's a common question throughout the Psalms. I'm weary with my moaning. Every night I flood my bed with tears. I drench my couch with my weeping. My eyes waste away because of grief. It grows weak because of all my foes. That's the reality. I'm not here to paint a picture and say, hey, listen, I, your, your life is horrible. But there's times to engage with this. And the Lord wants to hear from you. He wants you to share those things with him. So how honest and sincere are you when you get alone with God? Does he hear about your frustration? Maybe your anger, your sadness, desperation, your doubt, your discontentment or disappointment. Does he hear about those things? Or do you feel like, man, that's just not the place for it? Let me tell you tonight, that is the best place for it. The worst place is social media. Even to some degree, the, venting to a friend. The, the best place is to lay it before the Lord and be absolutely honest with him. Is this not what Jesus did in the garden before he went to the cross? This is exactly what he did. He knew what was to come. And he begged his father if there's any other way. And he shared the difficulty that he was going through and, and the struggle that's exactly what he did. And maybe we should pray more like Jesus. Let me pray. Lord, thank you for the gift of prayer. Thank you for your mercy and your grace that you allow us to come before you. I, I just... I, I, I need the truth of a message like this more than anybody. And so I'm thankful, Lord, that you care about us enough to, and you know everything about us and you want to meet us where we are. And, and I love that about you. And so um, would you just reveal yourself in a very fresh way tonight? I think prayer is one of those things that's just so difficult for a believer to get into a discipline of, a rhythm of, to spend that intentional time with you. It doesn't make sense why it is, but it is. That's just the truth. Our flesh is weak. So help us, Lord. Help us understand the beauty, the privilege, the gift that prayer is. And uh, help us to engage with you on a, on a deep personal level. We love you, Lord. I thank you for this time. I thank you for these students that are here. I thank you for this ministry. I thank you for your grace. I pray this in your name. Amen.